everybody. Welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really glad that you're here. Uh, welcome those of you worshiping at Aurora Highland Square Restoration uh, over at East Hall here in the sanctuary or just tuning in. Uh, welcome everyone. Uh, last week uh, during my message, I mentioned that when I was dating my wife, I would give her uh, Tootsie Pops. But the only kind of Tootsie Pop that she liked were caramel Tootsie Pops. And I happened to mention that they didn't make them anymore. Somebody actually Googled that while I was speaking and then uh, got these delivered to me. These are uh, <laughs> limited edition caramel Tootsie Pops, so I have a killer stocking stuffer. <laughs> I, uh, I love it that our church uh, can have fun. I don't know if I love it that somebody actually can order that while I'm speaking, but uh, I, I want our church to have fun. That's part of the reason we're, why we are trying to blanket this area with 10,000 acts of random kindness and generosity using uh, these cards. And uh, what I want you to do is just have fun with it. And every week I will read a couple of stories just to uh, encourage you. And here are the two stories that I'm going to read uh, today that have already come in. This is from Crystal uh, from Nova, Ohio. She says, my husband and I were paying for our stuff at Walmart in Ashland, Ohio, and this sweet lady comes up to us and wanted to know if she could give us a Christmas blessing and asked if she could pay our bill. We were kind of in shock, and I was trying to figure out if this was real. It was the sweetest thing ever. I didn't know what to do but keep thanking her over and over again, and we hugged her when we got to our car, all we could do is talk about how nice that was. It just goes to show you there are still good people in this world. I hear stories all the time that people pay for people's stuff in stores. It's so nice of people to do that. Now, someone, now sometime we will pay it forward to someone, whoever you are that paid for our stuff. Bless you and have a Merry Christmas. Then this one is from Quentin in Hudson, Ohio. Says, uh, I'm just a young kid trying to start his life off. I bust tables at Rosewood Grill, where just because a very gracious older guest decided not only to tip me, which doesn't usually happen, but also took the time to let me know how good a job I'd been doing. The man sat at the bar, and we literally had no interaction besides him taking the time to pass on some positivity. I want that man to know that small act will not go unhonored and shall be reflected onto the world throughout the rest of my existence. Thank you, and God bless. You never know. <clears throat> you never know what kind of impact it has. I should let you know this, too, that there's a church in Indiana uh, that uh, has contacted us. It's actually a fairly large church with multi-sites, and they uh, had visited here several years ago. And now they are doing, they asked for all of our files and they are doing this initiative this month. Same type of thing. There's a church in Florida that's been doing it for several years because I have a really good friend that goes to that church or works at that church. And then I was contacted by, a, by somebody who goes to a church in St. Louis for the same thing. Wouldn't it be something if uh, that began to spread around the country? And so instead of 10,000 acts of kindness, it was 100,000 or 500,000 or a million in the month of December. How much better would our nation be? How much better off would people be in the month of December if that many acts of kindness were being done? So, grab some cards, 
have fun. I understand that 7,000 cards were picked up last weekend, so uh, keep doing it. All right. We have a theme for this year, and our theme is transformed in 2018. The idea was that uh, we wanted to be different in December than we were in January, and now it's December. So how'd you do? Have you changed? Have you become more of what you feel like God made you to be? Uh, I've heard so many stories about people who have had tremendous change happen this year. And it hasn't been the easiest year. And sometimes when years are the hardest years is when we actually change the most. That has been our goal, and I'm so glad that you participated the way you have uh, in the theme for this year. We're going to start the last series next week. And the last series is going to be called The Night When Everything Changed, which I think will be a great way to end our year. And then we'll have the final weekend of the year. We always have baptism and communion. And then we'll have a video that recaps the entire year, which I think will be amazing. All right. Today, we're going to talk about the last part of our purpose statement. We exist as a church for three reasons. To help people come to know Jesus, to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and then to serve him. We had a series on knowing Jesus in February. We had a series on growing in your relationship with Jesus in August. And now we're doing this short series on serving Jesus. And the reason is because that know, grow, serve, that's kind of the the formula for change, for transformation. We need all three. Last week, we talked about the reason to change, or the reason to serve. Serving is always connected to love. Actually, that's not true. It's the reverse. Love love is always connected to serving. You can serve someone without loving them, but you cannot love someone without serving them. That's true with your relationships with each other. It's true with your relationship with God. And last week, we looked at how Jesus said, if you want to serve me, serve others. That's an amazing statement of love when you think about it. How much do you have to love somebody to say, no matter what you're going to do for me, no matter how great you want to do an act of service to me, if you do it to them, that's good enough. That's like doing it to me. No matter how extravagant the gift is you're going to give me for Christmas, if you give it to them instead of me, I'm good with that. But that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if there's somebody who is thirsty and you give them something to drink, if they're hungry and you give them food, if they're sick and you care for them, if they're in prison and you visit them, Jesus says, it's just like you're doing it to me. When you serve them, you're serving me. That was the reason to serve. Now we're going to talk about the power to serve, the power to serve. And the passage I'm going to read is in uh, Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or you can wait for it to come up on the screen when I read it. Luke chapter 10, at the beginning of the chapter, it starts out with Jesus grabbing these 72 disciples and sending them out two by two to villages. We would assume 36 different villages. And they were to go there and heal people and tell them the kingdom of God was near. And I'm going to pick up the passage when they come back. And it begins at verse 16, and I'll read through verse 20. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you 
rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects the one, him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is God's word, and it's true. It's a cool passage. It kind of oozes with power. And no one is more surprised at the power they wielded than those 72 who were sent out. But I have all kinds of questions about this passage because we don't have that much information. You know, I am always uh, just as surprised at what the Bible leaves out as what it puts in. Because I, I don't even know who these 72 disciples are. They're not the 12, because we know the 12 spent every day with Jesus for three years. That's like seminary training. So they were trained. What kind of training did these 72 have? We don't know. How they choose what village they went to? Were they afraid? How did it actually work when they walked into a village? If I sent you, two of you, to Talmadge, and I said, go, declare to them that the kingdom of God is near, and heal them, how would you do it? You walk in, and you go, uh, you walk right into the middle of town. People are walking around doing their business, and you go, <coughs> excuse me, pardon me. Just want to have your attention for a second. Kingdom of God is near. Uh, and if you're not feeling well, come a little closer. All right, when did they realize that they had that power, they had that authority? All kinds of questions that we don't know. Uh, let me talk about what we might know, what we do know. All right, there are three things I want to talk about with regard to the power to serve. I want to talk about the power of the call. I want to talk about the power of the name. And I want to talk about the danger of the power. The power of the call, the power of the name, and the danger of the power. First, the power of the call. One of the most curious things about this passage is that group, the 72, that were sent out on mission. Right? Because I've already mentioned they weren't part of the 12. We know the names of the 12. Right? There are Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Philip, and Nathaniel, and Matthew. And then they get a little fuzzy, but we know they're there, in there somewhere. Right? We don't know anything about these 72. We, we don't know any of their names. We don't have any follow-up on what they were like afterwards. We just know they were sent out. And the question is, what, why that number, too? Why 72? There might have been some significance to the number. Uh, the number 70 has significance in the Bible. There were in the book of Genesis, when Jacob takes his entire clan down to Egypt, there are 70 of them in total. That's everyone. In Genesis chapter 10, there's a list of Gentile nations. There are 70 nations that are named. That's everyone. So it may be that there are 72 disciples that Jesus chooses to signify that it's everyone. It's not just the ones that are trained. It's not just the professional clergy that are called to serve. It's not just me. It's you. That part of the power of the call is that we are all called. If you are called in, into the family of God, into grace, into Jesus, then you can count on being sent out. 
on mission. Whether you realize it or not, you are sent out on mission into your family, into your business, into your workplace, into your neighborhood, into your school. That is a pattern of Scripture. When you are called close, then you are sent out. Moses was called to the burning bush. God was saying, come close, Moses. And as soon as he got close, then he said, now you've seen. Now I want you to go to Pharaoh. If you've been called in, you've been sent out. The other thing is if you have been given a gift, if you have been blessed, then you are called to use that for others. If you've been blessed, you're called to be a blessing. That's also a biblical pattern, right? Abraham, I just read this this week, that uh, the very first thing that God says to Abraham, Abraham, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to the whole world. So you are called If you're called in, you're called out. If you've been given a blessing, you're given that blessing to give to others. But you can't give what you don't have, right? Um, I have four grandkids, and their ages are 10, 8, 3, and almost 2. And uh, we're going to have Christmas, and we do Christmas a lot like probably you do. Where at some point during the Christmas season, we have everybody over it. Sometimes it's on Christmas Day, sometimes it's not. And we do this gift exchange. And uh, so we have gifts that are piled up underneath our Christmas tree. And if a kid's too young, you can't send them over to the gifts because they think all the gifts are for them. Right? They'll just start tearing into gifts because every gift is the same to them. And so, but when they get to a certain age, you can turn them into what, we, what I call a gift handler. Where I'll say to our 10-year-old, hey, Liam, you're the gift handler. Go pick out a gift. And then you find out who you're supposed to give it to. Every time we pick a handler, they love it. Nobody ever says when they're 10 or 8 or 6, no thanks. I don't want to be the handler. They'll just go, oh, oh, yeah. And they go and they get the gift. And then they'll look at it and they'll read it if they can. And if they can't, they just look and then they hand it to somebody. They know it's not for them, but they give it to somebody. And then they like to stand close. I don't know if you've ever done this with little kids. Right? They get as close as they can. Like you're trying to unwrap it. They're like, oh, I wish I could unwrap it. Right? Because there's something about a fallout of joy that happens to them. And then you say, go get another gift. And they run back to get the other gift. Right? You're a handler. Do you know that? You've been given all kinds of things. Last week we saw this video of, uh, about adoption, about um, Mike and Christina Halwerda. What they felt like is that God has given us a gift. He's given us a home. And it's our opportunity to open up that gift and, and give it to somebody else. And so they, they brought Braden, their son, into their family. Right? What are the gifts you've been given? You've been given all kinds of gifts. From a home, to a house, to a car, to, to all kinds of skills. Some of you can can fix things. Some of you can have tremendous compassion. Some of you have experiences that you can share. Some of you can work well with finances. There are all kinds of gifts that you have, and you are a handler of that gift. The power of the call is this, that everybody who has been called into the family of Jesus has been called in to be sent out, but you haven't been sent out empty-handed. You've been sent out with a load of gifts. Don't you see everybody around you right now is a gift handler. It means that they're piled high with gifts and they're supposed to be giving them away. Do you know what that would be like? 
if everybody who was called by the name of Jesus would see themselves as being out on mission in their neighborhood, in their school, at their workplace, with their friends, and they all saw themselves as being gifted so that they could give and not just hold the gifts to themselves, it would make the 10,000 acts of random kindness and generosity seem like a, a drop in the bucket. God intends for us to change the world. And we change the world starting with the power of this call that he has made not just to a few, not just to those of us who've gone to seminary, but to everybody who's tasted grace. It's your call as well to figure out what you have and then be like one of my grandkids looking every day for somebody that you can give that to, whatever that might be. That's the power of the call. The second is the power of the name. This is the, uh, the first big surprise of this passage. There's another big surprise coming. But the first big surprise is the power of the name of Jesus. Because they come back and they say, Jesus, you won't believe this. Even the demons were subject to us in your name. In your name. You ever drop a name and have it have power? You ever had to drop a name? I was... Uh, when Tom Randall was still the chaplain of the PGA uh, Champions Tour, uh, I went to visit him and to just hack around with him uh, during a tournament. And at lunchtime, he said, hey, Joe, we're going to have lunch with some of the players. So you, you head up to the clubhouse, and I'll meet you there in a minute. But you go on in. So I go up to the clubhouse, and this is a place where like, guys like Tom Kite, Tom Watson, Ben Crenshaw are having lunch. And I start to try to walk in, and somebody stops me. They say, uh, excuse me, it's not for you. It's for the players. It's not for fans. And I said, uh, okay, yeah, I know. Uh, Tom Randall, who's the chaplain of the, of the tour, as soon as I said Tom Randall, I didn't get to the chaplain of the tour. They go, okay, you can come in, right? So I walked in. If that's the power of the name Tom Randall in the realm of the PGA Champions Tour. What's the power of the name of Jesus in the spiritual realm? This is what he says. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Listen, don't get hung up on the miracles there. You know, some people, they read that and they go, oh, what are we supposed to be doing with scorpions? And, you know, that's, that's not the point. The point is this. If Jesus has sent you somewhere to do something for him, don't worry about the stuff that stands in the way because he's giving you the power of his name. Zach and Amy Wyrock, uh, Zach has come to help us with church planting, which I'll be explaining more in 2019. Really excited about that. But Zach and Amy started to feel like God wanted them to open their home up for adoption. And so they started praying about it. And they were, and Amy, who is like a lot of wives, she handles the money and she was concerned about uh, the money it would cost. And Zach said, listen, Amy, if, if, if we feel like God wants us to open up our home, we're not going to worry about money. 
I don't care if it bankrupts us. I don't care if it takes every dollar. I don't care if we go into debt. If this is what God wants us to do, if we, if we are sure of that, we're going we're gonna to start going that direction. And they became sure of that and headed that direction. Then they came here and found out that we have an adoption fund. And every dollar that they were concerned about was given to them by the church. And this is a picture of Zach with his daughter that he just texted me today and said, it's official. We have her. Okay. God asks you to do something. And almost always when God asks you to do something, your first response will be, ah, I can't do that. That's also a biblical pattern, by the way. Whenever you read in the Bible and God says, hey, I want you to go do this, the first response is, oh, I can't. Because you'll feel inadequate. And that's the point. God calls you to do something, whether it's going across the street to a neighbor that's going through a difficult time and you think to yourself, I, I won't know what to say. Or going down and helping with urban vision with kids there and you go, I don't, I don't know whether I'll be able to help those kids or whether it's going on a mission trip or whatever it is or teaching a Bible study. I've heard all kinds of stuff where people have come to me and said, listen, I feel like God wants me to do this, but I can't. I don't want to say, you need to drop the name. Jesus says, you have authority because I'm giving you the power of my name. And all throughout Scripture, it says, listen, when you give a cup of cold water, give it in my name. When you pray, pray in my name. When you comfort one another, comfort one another in my name. Why that? Why not just say, give a cup of cold water, comfort each other, serve each other, pray? Because there is power in the name of Jesus. So when God is calling you to do something right now and you know it and you've been putting it off, do not put it off. Instead, Decide you will do it in the power of his name. Because when you give a cup of cold water in his name, you're given not just water, you're given Jesus. When you're comforting in, in Jesus' name, you're not just given comfort, you're given Jesus. God goes, Jesus goes with you and says, use my name. Because there is power in my name. Okay. Final thing is that uh, there is, he warns about the danger of the power this is the second big surprise in this passage. Verse 20, he says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, so these guys come back, and they're all fired up. They're pumped. They're slapping high five. They're laughing. They're just going, can you believe that? They're telling stories. And Jesus, you think Jesus would go, oh, I told you. Didn't I tell you this is awesome? Here, tell me the stories. Tell me the stories. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, uh, hey, 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 keep it down. Hey, wipe that smile off your face. <laughs> and it's so unlike Jesus. Uh, he's hardly ever a wet blanket like this. I mean, he wants people to rejoice. They're finally rejoicing. But he says, oh, be careful. You're rejoicing in the wrong thing. And if you rejoice in the wrong thing, it can be dangerous. And what they were rejoicing in was the success of ministry. They were saying to Jesus, Jesus, you know, we, we used your name. We went out, like you said, and it went better than we ever thought. And they're so excited about it. Jesus says, listen, don't base your joy on the success of ministry. 
Don't base your joy on something that's temporal. Otherwise, you're going to be up one minute and down the next. And if some of you know if that's the way you live your life, where you think, when things are going well in my life, I'm going to be on a high with God. And when things are going bad, I'm on a low with God. And Jesus says, you shouldn't be going up and down all the time. Not if you will base your joy on something that's more solid, that's more eternal. So you go out in ministry, and you end up saying, oh, you know what? Bible study. I was scared, but it went better than I thought. People loved it. The kids at Urban Vision loved me. The homeless guy said I was an answer to his prayer. You know, Jesus says, it's okay to be happy, but don't base your joy on anything that's temporary. Because if you do, you'll be up and down. Instead, he says, base your joy on this, that your name is written in heaven. Any attorney worth their salt will say, get it in writing. If you make some kind of commitment, get it in writing. Jesus says, you want to know what you can rejoice in? I've given you something in writing. I've written your name right next to my name. Let that be the basis of your joy. Because you were called to serve me, whether it feels like you're succeeding or failing. You are called to love me, whether it feels good or bad. You are called to obey me. And you will only have the strength to do that if your joy is based on something that can never be taken away. And this is what your joy is based on. On me giving it to you in writing. There is a power to serving. Right? There is the power of the call. You have been called If you are part of the family of God, if you've received grace, if you've been called in, you are being sent out whether you realize it or not. From the moment you leave this place, you are sent out. Whether it's to the grocery store or to a restaurant or to your home or to your work or to your school, to your neighborhood. And you've been given gifts. You are a handler of blessing. You've been poured into by God himself. Be that handler and let your gifts begin to go out and be look on the lookout for who you can give the blessing to. You have the power of the name. This is the name that is above every name in the spiritual realm. When you are called to do something for Jesus, don't forget to drop his name. Because when you are afraid, that's the only name that will matter. And then finally, don't base your joy on anything temporary, anything at all. Instead, base your joy on the thing that can never be taken away, which is that your name has been written, and it was written by Jesus himself. Because that will fill you with joy, it'll fill you with love, it'll fill you with hope, it'll fill you with power, and it will actually help change you into the person God intended you to be transformed 2018 would you pray with me Uh, Lord Jesus we uh, come to you and I am uh, so grateful that you call us to serve Uh, I want to be like one of my grandkids I want to recognize gifts I want to uh, be the one that transfers gifts I want to be the one that gives the gift to somebody And I get the fallout of joy from them. God, I pray that you would uh, fill us all. That every person here will become 
uh, a handler of those gifts, that every person here will hear the call to serve. And I pray that every single one of us will also understand the power of your name. But I also pray that we will base our joy, our deepest joy, on what can never be taken away, which is that you have written our name next to yours. Thank you for your grace. Thanks for your love. We love you, and we are, we are your servants this day. We pray this in your name. Amen.